Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. The experience we're going to share today is an interesting one because it is a distressing near-death experience, which gratefully ends well, but shed some interesting light on thoughts. And so... uh, Here we go. This is Nigel from Enderf.org. Nigel says, A kite surfing accident caused me to be thrown approximately 70 meters horizontally, or at least 6 meters up in the air and into the edge of uh, of the roof of my house. I suffered 21 fractures of my hips, ribs, and shoulders, severe concussion, punctured lung, severe internal and external bruising, and shock amongst other injuries. I was basically unconscious for 14 hours with about three episodes lasting seconds each of semi-consciousness. Sometime during my unconscious state, I found myself thrown near the edge of a swirling mass of beings. All the beings around me were very black and the atmosphere was one of depression and resignation. I was being pushed along very fast by a swirling mass of beings, some looking like walking skeletons. I had the feeling that, as we were moving around, we were also moving towards the outer edge of the swirling mass, where those beings simply fell off the edge into nothingness or death. I had the feeling I did not want to go there and tried to struggle against the moving mass of people. It was hard not to be driven along by them, kind of like fighting against a current while crossing a river. At some stage, I became aware that far in the distance, in the center of this huge mass of beings, was a bright light. Sometimes, while struggling to fight the current, I caught a brief and faint sight of this light. I wanted to get closer to this light. I found by either trial and error or else, by some external guidance, that the only way I could get closer to this light was to think pure thoughts of helping others. I tried to do this and found that by focusing just on helping others or trying to develop compassion, I was able to edge closer to the light at the center. As soon as I had a self-centered thought, or any other thought than helping others, I was immediately thrown towards the outside of the huge revolving mass. I had to struggle back towards the center. The outer edges of the mass were revolving with thousands of beings at a nauseatingly fast pace. As I got close to the center, the pace slowed down, and the energy of the beings became much lighter and less frantic. I passed several people I recognized on my way towards the center, and it felt like I could see by their colors radiating from their bodies what sort of people they were, they really were, beneath their outward appearance. If I made any judgment on them, I was immediately thrown toward the outer edge of the sphere and back to the nauseating, frantic black crowd. I found it useful to chant, just helping people like a mantra 
which allowed me to eventually approach the inner circle, where very calm and slow-moving pure beings were sitting around a large glowing white light. I felt honored to be there, and aware I had to keep my thoughts totally pure in what seemed like a very sacred place. I had the desire to melt into the white light. It seemed like a voice told me the only way to do this was to empty my mind of all thoughts, but still to keep one tiny part focused on helping others. I did this and melted into the light. This was an indescribably blissful experience. I felt like I was part of everything, and at the same time, absolutely empty. It was absolutely purifying, healing, and timeless. The next conscious thoughts were being back in my body and experiencing immense pain. At some stage later, I came to, I came to in the intensive care unit of Nelson Hospital and began my physical recovery. And that is the end of Nigel's experience. So, in case it was as you know, confusing <laughs> uh, to you uh, the first time hearing it as it was for me, um, it appears that, uh, that Nigel finds himself in this moving mass of people. So picture, you know, something the shape of a CD or a record or something, you know, just a circle, and um, people are, are walking outward from this center. And the closer you are to the center, the less the, you know, the, the less the current moving outward is. And then the ones on the outside are moving so quick and just falling off the side into death or despair or whatever, you know. Uh, and, uh, and further toward the outer rim of this area, um, the people are just completely black. And I don't think we're talking about the color of a race of people. I think we're talking about they are blackness. You know, they're just like black, black um, from, you know, it sounds like they're pretty much indistinguishable as faces go and so forth. It is the way I'm picturing it. It's We're talking about actual black. And toward the center, people are, have color and they have, you know, beauty and, and they're you know, it, it sounds like one of these situations that is clearly a metaphor, and yet this seems to really be happening. I mean, it, I doubt that, you know, I, I, I don't know what to make of it in terms of there's this place where if you walk on this thing, it's like a escalator, you know, moving outward or one of those, you know, uh, airport, you know, ground walking things, um, and every everything is going outward kind of and people are walking outward making it hard to work your way to the middle i don't think it's fair to say yeah there's this place that everybody goes to or whatever but clearly this was something that became what uh, what nigel needed to experience in order to understand the lesson that he needed to learn and what was that lesson well it seems that his thoughts had far more influence on his ability to get where he wanted to go than just making effort, you know, making, 
uh, physical effort or spiritual effort, I guess. Just making effort alone was simply not enough. And he needed his thoughts to be in a place of love, of compassion, of helping others. And as he, as he's focused on helping others, he even kind of develops this mantra that he just is chanting to himself, just helping people, just helping people, just helping people, just helping people. And he's just saying this over and over in order to keep his thoughts focused where they need to be in order to be able to progress toward this light. And as he's progressing and he's getting to a place where there is joyful people there, he's seeing um, people that he recognized. And he could see colors radiating, radiating from their bodies. And these colors radiated what the people were really like beneath their outward appearance. This sounds to me like an aura of, of some sort. I'm not exactly sure what an aura is, but some people apparently can see them. So, um, and, and often when somebody is living a deceitful life, they will have a very dark aura. And uh, when they are very loving, selfless people, they will have beautiful colors of, of various you know, kinds, and it sounds like different colors radiate different um, aspects of their, of, I don't know if you'd say their personalities, I think their countenances, um, whatever that is for the individual. And yet, he says if he made any judgment on them, saying, oh, well, he did, you know, he obviously doesn't, you know, know this, whatever he says, if I made any judgment on them, I was immediately thrown toward the outer edge of the sphere and back to the nauseating, frantic crowd. And uh, and so he does not want to be there. So he's realizing he has to get rid of judgment. He has to get rid of his, his uh, sense of labeling people in some sort of judgmental way. He has to focus on helping others and love and compassion. And as he does, he finds himself, you know, he says he had to keep his thoughts totally pure in what seemed like a very sacred space. And he had this desire as he got to the light to melt into it. And he realized that in order to do that, he had to, you know, basically kick out all of his, you know, empty his his mind of all thoughts, but still keeping a small, tiny part focused on helping others. So it's like all your logic, all your, you know... Uh, eccentricities, your personality and and your fears and everything, just leave that all behind because you can't get in uh, with those tagging along. You've got to empty yourself of all of that and leave a small part um, where your focus is on love and helping others in order to enter this light. And he's and as he did, he melted into this light and he talks about it being an incredibly blissful experience. It was like he was part of everything and at the same time uh, absolutely empty. So he's he's completely absorbed. It sounds like he merged with the light. He says there was absolute it was absolutely purifying, healing, and timeless. Those words purifying and healing, as well as timeless, of course, um, make me think that this whole experience was a lesson for him, something that he needed to learn. And uh and, you know, you think, it sounds pretty frightening at first, and yet later in a question, how do you consider the content of your experience? And he says, positive. 
so the positive outweighed the negative and uh, and he this joy and bliss that he experiences in the light show him that love and compassion and helping others is far more powerful than we think it is and uh, and effort while probably necessary is only a small part of the being that we need to become. The effort that we make certainly is important, but as he discovered, your thoughts, where your focus is, is going to de determine more about where you are than even your, you know, physical exertion. So watch your thoughts. They really are that important. If you would like to contact the podcast, either to share a comment, ask a question, or to share your own near-death experience, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. If you would like to see past episodes of the show going all the way back, um, you can see all of them or have access to all of them at neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing the book Life in the Spirit World or by going to patreon.com slash ndecast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening. <laughs>